me pray and we'll dive in. Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you've given us. We confess this morning as men that we um, were complainers. We are. And sometimes those complaints may seem more warranted in seasons than others. And certainly we've been through so much in this last year and a half. But as we look back on the history of humanity, we see kingdoms rise and fall. We see pandemics come and go. We see wars fought. And through all of that, through entire epochs changing over and cultures shifting, your word of God has stood. We know that the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God stands forever. And so this morning, as we dive into the Psalms together, would you send your Holy Spirit to help us to truly feast on your word? Not only this morning, but through this entire series and the Psalms, we study just six of them of 150. But also pray that this would springboard some of us um, Lord, that you would begin to cultivate places in us as men for a deeper discipline in the word, to see it as our food and as our good, and that that would go well beyond a Tuesday morning. So I pray for these brothers here this morning uh, in this room. Also pray for those brothers who are joining us online. We pray, God, that you would use your word to pierce us through, to reveal to us who we are and our desperate need of you, but also to reveal who you are in your son, the Holy Spirit, and what you've done for us in this great gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this last weekend, my wife left to go on a trip. She went to the beach, and I was left uh, home alone with my three daughters. That's right, you heard three daughters. Their ages are nine, seven, and four. So I am always outnumbered all the time, especially when my wife is there. That's four girls I live with. But when she leaves, um, the playing field changes a little bit, and not in my favor, okay? And, and those of you guys who have children, who, who have raised children, uh, or, or uncles, uh, maybe you've kind of seen this, the way that a, a little girl can wrap um, her dad or an uncle around her finger, right? And so I was deeply outnumbered, uh, I'm also a big believer that dads don't babysit. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm their father. I'm not a babysitter, right? So just because mommy's away doesn't mean, okay, now I'm kind of doing her job. But no, now it's a unique opportunity for me to spend a weekend with my daughters. We call it a daughter-daddy weekend, and we're excited about it, right? And so we're going into the weekend, excited what's going to happen, and we drop um, my wife off the airport, we make our way back to the house, and we park, and it's hot, right? And I know that the weekend ahead, what it's going to be, and so I decide, hey, look, tomorrow we're going to wake up. Maybe we'll go get donuts or something. I'm going to park under a tree, right? Makes sense. It's the summertime. It's shade. Saturday morning, first day of Daddy's Daughter's Weekend this past Saturday, about 6.45 a.m., a storm blows through. Now, I don't know if you guys heard that storm. It was short-lived. Most of where, at least we live in our neighborhood, didn't even get rain. But it sent about a two-minute gust of wind that blew that tree down on top of our sequoia. And that is how our weekend started. 
So I've got great pictures of a tree on top of our sequoia. I drove it to work today because I've got to take it to the shop later. It has a shattered sunroof. It's got a bent roof. We'll see what they say. But lo and behold, there's a tree, and that was our Saturday. Not what we had planned. So we call the, gr- the crew out. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out how do you get this thing off the car. There's sawdust flying everywhere, and they determine the whole tree has to go. It's my neighbor's tree. I felt terrible for her. So the whole tree has to go. They cut the whole tree down. And if you've ever cut a tree down, they're able to do a whole lot until they get to the very end. And you know what's left? A stump. And if you've ever cut a tree down, you know just how difficult it is to get a stump out of the ground. Stumps are those kinds of things that you can, I mean, they're going to send a grinder over later, but it's still going to be there. And they just, they, you can never quite get rid of a stump. You know why? Because a tree has a lot more to it than what you can see. A tree has a root system that goes deep underground. And even though a tree can be brittle, like this one did, and eventually crack and split and fall over in a windstorm, that root system lasts much longer. This morning we're talking about the Word. We're talking about the Psalms. We're looking at the first Psalm. For the next six weeks, we're just going to look at six. There's 150 Psalms. For the next six weeks, we're just going to look at six of them. We're starting with the first. And the reason why we're starting with the first is the first Psalm, Psalm 1, is seen along with Psalm 2 as a couplet, as the preamble to the Psalms. It's the introduction. If you ever read a book and there's a preface, a lot of you guys probably, like me, skip over the preface, but a lot of times the preface can tell you a lot. Think about Psalm 1 as being the preface to the Psalter. And Psalm 1 is all about the Word of God. And what we're going to see this morning is it describes a man, a man who orients his entire life in God's Word. And when that man orients his life in God's Word, the Psalms give us an image. It's a tree that has been planted by streams of water and its roots have gone deep. And because its roots have gone deep in the word of God, it is strong and vibrant and yields fruit. But Psalm 1 also gives us a different way, a different path. Not the way of the word, but the way of wickedness. A way of listening, not only being wicked yourself, but Psalm 1 is going to warn us against listening to the wickedness around us. And that man, the man who listens to the wickedness around us, who orients their life, or maybe is actually disoriented in their life because of the wickedness around them, that man, it says, has no root system. And they're just going to blow away. And so this is God's word for us. This is Psalm 1. I'm going to read it all to us, and we're just going to talk about two ways. Two ways is living as men in the world that we now live in. One is the way of wickedness. The other is the way of the word of God. This is Psalm 1. The Psalter begins this way with book 1, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree 
planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word for us this morning. So the first thing I want to begin by talking about, I want to talk about the way of the wicked. I want you to look at Psalm 1, verse 1, and this is how it begins. Blessed is the man. And again, when we look at Psalm 1 this morning, I want you not to just think about this is Psalm 1, but this is the beginning of the Psalms, what we call the Psalter. The Psalter is God's hymn book. These are songs, it's poetry, meant to be sung, many of them. In fact, if you've ever spent time in a psalm, some of them have a little instruction given about how they're to be used with a choir or for a music leader. Many of the psalms have musical language in them, and so as we approach the psalms, we have to recognize what we're reading is almost like reading the lyrics of a hymn or a song. We're reading verses, lines of poetry. And so just like we studied the the parables and we had to use our imagination, as we approach the Psalms, we have to expect to encounter imagery. And we have to ask the Lord to use that imagery to teach us something about him and who we are. This morning we're given an image of a tree. Before we get to that, Psalm 1, the very first words of the Psalms begin like this. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Now the first word blessed is a Hebrew word that that really means something like happy. Blessedness has something to do with happiness. In other words, the Psalms begin this way, happy is the man. And I think that's important for us as men. I think it's important because, um, do you know that God actually wants you to live a life in the fullness of joy? Do you know that? A lot of time, I think, especially as men, we're told to just um, take it on the chin. We're told to just kind of work hard, put our head down. And we're even told things, and maybe some of you have said things like this, when it comes to our relationship with God, we see him as a father, and we have Father's Day coming. We see him as a father that maybe is through the filter or lens of maybe the fathers we had growing up. And sometimes that can be either good or bad. But sometimes we see him as a father who doesn't really want our happiness, doesn't really want our joy. He just wants us to figure it out. You feel that way about God? And yet here's someone that says, happy is the man. Have you ever heard someone say, God is not interested in your happiness. He's interested in your holiness. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever thought that before? Have you ever said that before? God is not interested in in your happiness, he's interested in your holiness. I think that comes from a well-meaning place because people want to encourage others to be holy. It's just not true. Because I think the Bible teaches us that actually those two things go together. He is interested in your holiness. He is so interested in your holiness because it's your holiness that leads to true happiness. But we live in a world that has it the exact way around. The world says the way of the wicked leads to your joy, but holiness and being rooted in God's word, that leads to true joy. It leads to blessedness. It leads to happiness. 
if you're uh, spent any time around our church, we're Park City's Presbyterian church. And some of you may have been here for 20 years and you just now realize it's a Presbyterian church. I get that. There's something, ah, this is being recorded. There's something about that that I actually enjoy, right? But there's also a rich tradition that we bring with us that I love about being Presbyterian because what we're saying is that the Christian faith is not novel, it's not new, it's rooted and it's been brought from generation to generation to generation. And one of the things that we bring with us as Presbyterians is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Generations of the church have used catechisms to train up children, to teach them about what we believe. And this is the first question. If you've been around our church at all, you've probably heard this. What is the chief end of man? Do you know the answer? To glorify God and enjoy him. Those two words are so important, and they cannot be separated. To glorify God and enjoy him. Blessed is the man. We see the same kind of word used in the Greek, actually in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Every one of those is really about happy, except Jesus turns happiness and joy on its head. How you think about happiness has been determined by the way of the wicked. Psalm 1 is saying this is where true happiness, true joy is found. So blessed is the man, Psalm 1 begins. Blessed is the man. And then this is what he says. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of of scoffers. The psalmist gives us three words for wickedness. The way of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of scoffers. Wicked, sinners, scoffers. Three words, three groups of people that essentially all describe the same kind of thing. Wickedness. Now what is wickedness? Well, wickedness, you could say, is sin. What is sin? Well, sin is disobeying God. It's going your own way. It's making yourself king and refusing to obey the authority and kingship of God. Uh, sin is often described as missing the mark, but I think it's um, sometimes that it's a little bit more than that. It's not just missing the mark because you didn't know where the mark was. <laughs> it's missing the mark because you knew where the mark was and you refused to hit it. <laughs> right? Wickedness is sin that has metastasized into a society. You feel that way about our culture? Do you feel that way about our country? Now, I want, to, I want you to know something. As crazy as this time and season is in our world and in our country, this is nothing new. And I know we like to think that we're unique <laughs> and what a time that we're living in, but all you have to do is just spend a little time in history and see that this is nothing new. Kingdoms rise and fall. There have been many pandemics in the history of humanity. We just happen to live through one. There have been great wars fought. Countries that Christians have lived in have crumbled around them, right? The people of God have been enslaved to totalitarian regimes, right? We as the people of God who've lived through a lot. 
and if the word of God has stood as a constant through all of it. Wickedness has always been around. And so the psalmist begins with a warning. He's saying, the man who's blessed, the man who's happy, doesn't walk in the way of the wicked. That's not what he does. And and there's two ways to think about that this morning that I want you to wrestle with. Some of that is the wickedness all around us. And and there's a question that uh, our senior pastor, Mark Davis, has been asking, particularly through this cultural moment. Maybe not just the pandemic, but this cultural moment. And it's this. Who are you listening to? I think it's a great question. There is so much noise right now, so much um, input that's right there at our fingertips, right? You've got right here. You've got the world right here. You've got blogs. You've got 24-hour news cycles. You've got so much input. The question is, who are you listening to? And, And I think the Psalm 1 gives us a warning that says, look, you need to be careful because the way of the wickedness is all around us. Wickedness is all around us, and sometimes you can't see it for what it really is. Sometimes it's obvious, and sometimes we're tempted to even point fingers of that wickedness, but sometimes that wickedness looks a lot more like a lamb to us than it looks like a serpent. And Psalm 1 begins and says, you need to be careful. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. There's a lot of counsel being given to you and me from a wicked world. Who are you listening to? Are you receiving that counsel? Are you being thoughtful about what is being input into you? He says, who walks not according to the counsel of the wicked or of the way of sinners, Jesus said there are two paths, a wide path and a wide gate that leads to destruction and a narrow gate that leads to righteousness. The way that leads to destruction seems easy, it's wide. It's a way of sinners. What path are you walking down? Or sits in the seat of scoffers, right? Those who call names um, to us as a people of God. Maybe that describes you this morning. Maybe you're a scoffer. Maybe you like to sit and scoff and throw grenades at institutions or the church. Someone begins and says, blessed is the man who walks not according to the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Why? Because the people of God for centuries and generations have been tempted to walk in that way, to allow the counsel of the wicked come into us. So that's one way to think about it. But the other is this, to recognize that, that wickedness is not just outside of us, but it's in us as well. It's in you and it's in me. Every one of us outside of Jesus Christ is wicked. Every one of us is a sinner and every one of us is a scoffer. Does that describe you this morning? Someone begins and says, blessed is the man who isn't those things. Because here's the truth. If, that, if any of those words describes you or the things around you, that are giving input and counsel to your life. The psalmist says, that way leads to destruction. That way leads to unhappiness. That way leads to the opposite of a joy. It leads to mourning, and it's fleeting. So the psalmist says, be careful. 
Don't walk in the way of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of sinners. Don't sit in a seat of scoffers. But there's another way. There's another way. And it's the way of the word of the Lord. He continues verse two, look with me. The way of the word of God is where the Psalter wants us to be. It's why Psalm 1 is seen as the preamble or introduction to the Psalms. Because it's saying this is how you should use the Psalm. Right? Like any good preface to any good book, it's that this is how you should read it. Don't walk in the way of wickedness, but plant yourself in the word of God. Verse 2. <clears throat> but his delight, the man who is blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now what you need to know about that word law, the word law occurs 25 times. 25 times in Psalm 119. 25 in one song. And it, the word law here, think about it as, as instruction. Guidance. It is God's rules but it's much more than, say, a government's law. Governments make laws and they can strike them down. But God's law stands forever and never changes. God's law has been given to us to lead to our flourishing, to lead to our blessedness, to lead to our fullness of joy. And so when the Bible uses the word law, it's not just talking about the Ten Commandments, and, and maybe when you've read the law before, that word in the Bible, you, that's what you think of, the Ten Commandments. But it's much more than that. Anytime you see the word law in the Bible, it's almost synonymous with, with all of the Word of God. That this is God's instruction, this is God's counsel, this is what God has given us to show us how to live. When we think about God's Word, we think about the law of God being given from his mouth. That this that we hold in our hands, which is no short of a miracle, by the way, is God's holy word. What that means, and, and sometimes we, we say things like that, the holy word of God, and you, you don't really think about what you're actually saying. <laughs> We're saying this is the set-apart instruction given from God himself that we hold in the palm of our hand. 400 years ago, men died so that you could hold this in your hand or have it on your iPad. And here it is. We have it. This is God's word. What a gift. This is God's laws, what he's given us. And what Psalm 1 is saying is, don't walk in the way of wicked. Don't allow the counsel of the wicked world around you, but plant yourself right here. Kingdoms will rise and fall. Cultures will come and go but this stands forever. Plant yourself right here. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. When is the last time that you looked at this and said, that is a delight to me? <laughs> when is the last time you saw this, maybe like this on your nightstand, and you just begin to say, I, I want to be in that in the same way that I want to watch the Rangers win a pennant again? More than that. When is the last time you saw the word of God as the thing that leads to the fullness of joy in your life? Or, for some of you, especially if you've grown up in this culture here, in a Christian culture, 
How many of you see this folded up just like this in your nightstand and you say, that, that's mocking me. It's mocking me because I haven't read it in a while. Or it's mocking me because I feel like it's a chore. Or just another box to be checked off in a long line of things I'm not doing well as a Christian man. Or maybe for some of you it's mocking you because you'd actually deep down know what it says. And you know things about your life need to change because you have been walking in the way of the wicked and you don't want to listen to what it says. When is the last time you saw this as delight? Someone invites us to see God's law, his word, as our joy, as the thing that leads to true happiness. So what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we become happy by reading the word of God? Is that just, well, if you read it, it's kind of like taking a magic pill. And if I just read this a little bit every day, suddenly I'm going to be happy. No, it doesn't quite work like that. I want you to hear the second thing in verse 2 that it says, but on his law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 1 invites us not just to read God's word, but to meditate on it. Now that word meditation, I think, can be scary for Christians, and especially I think sometimes it can be scary for us as men, especially men who've grown up in a Western culture. Kind of seems kind of frou-frou, right? What is meditation? But the, the psalmist invites us to meditate, and there's two words for the word meditate in the Psalms. One comes from Psalm 119. I want to read it to you. This is Psalm 119, and this is one of the words for meditation. Psalm 119, verse 15, you could write that down if you want, just take a note, and you can go look it up later, because I think it gives us a full picture of what it looks like to meditate on God's word. Psalm 119 is the first word used for meditation. It says, I will meditate on your precepts. Again, another word for law, another word used to describe the word of God. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way. So the first use of the word meditation in the Psalms, Psalm 119, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way. So think about meditation as focus. What are you focused on? Again, are you allowing the, the way of the wicked, the counsel of the wicked all around you to distract you? Or are you focusing in on what God's word says? Meditation has to do with focus. And I don't know about you, but I feel very distracted all the time. And Psalm 1 is both a warning and an invitation to refocus, to reorient our footing. To say, this is what I need to pay attention to. I can't get distracted by these other things around me. I need to focus in on God's word. That's the first way. But the second way of thinking about meditation is right here in Psalm 1. And this is my favorite. Psalm 1 says this, on his law, he meditates day and night. It's a different Hebrew word than the first one. First one talked about focus. This one is about um, salivating. It's, it's a word that's much more animalistic. The word almost describes um, a lion beginning to grumble in his stomach because he sees prey. So think about that image. Not only is meditation focusing on God's word, but Someone invites us to salivate over it. To devour it like a hungry lion. When is the last time you devoured the God, God's word? When is the last time that you saw this as your food? 
Perhaps for some of you, you've never seen it that way. You've seen it almost like eating your broccoli, right? <laughs> Maybe, do you like broccoli? Some of you are weird. Okay, see, I, thought, I knew there would be one of you. <laughs> that illustrated some of the work for you, see? <laughs> I want you to think of the greatest feast you could possibly imagine. Right, the thing that uh, you would want, hey, Father's Day is coming up for those of you who are dads, or on your birthday, or at Christmas, some great feast. What do you want to eat? This isn't just your broccoli, right? This isn't just a can of spinach. <laughs> yes, it has nutrients to make you strong, but it is for your delight. Do you salivate over it? That's what meditation looks like. It's savoring God's word taking enough time to really sit in it and to enjoy it. Now, I just used a word there that none of us have, but this is what it's going to take. And it's the word is time. If the way of the wicked is about input, like counsel that's all around you, the thing that's probably most tempting to us not to focus in on God's word is time. And the truth is, you are going to have to spend time in God's word in order to meditate on it. There's no other way to do it. Which means you are going to have to give something up that you think is better than God's word, that right now you believe leads to greater happiness than this. But that's just where it starts. Because Psalm 1 is about a divergence in paths. And that's where we're going to end this morning. It's about two, two ways of walking. One way leads to wickedness. One way leads to fruit. And that's the image that Psalm 1 gives us as we end. The psalmist continues and describes the, the man who is walking in the way of the word of God. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. Today, do you, as you look at your life and you look at your heart, would you honestly say that you are like a tree planted by a stream of water? Again, I said, in order to study the parables like we did in this last uh, study together, we had to use our imaginations. As we get into the Psalter and the Psalms, we're going to have to think like poets. What does it look like to be a tree? Imagine a tree. Imagine a tree planted in the desert. And now imagine that tree planted by a stream of water. You get the idea. If you walk in the way of the wicked, it's like planting yourself in the desert where there is no life, there is no nutrients, there is no water. But Psalm 1 gives us an invitation that says, come and plant your tree by streams of water. God's word allowing it to wash over you so that your roots would grow deep. And when the tr uh, tree's roots grow deep, whatever storms come cannot knock it down. So I don't know what you're going through right now as we enter into the Psalms this summer. I don't know what you're coming out of. I do know we're collectively coming out of something that's incredibly difficult, incredibly unique. Unlike anything any of us have ever experienced. And yet God's word stood through all of it. And as we enter what is ever next, some of you perhaps are filled with fear Wondering, okay, well, what could happen now? You feel disoriented. So many of the places that you have planted yourself, the deserts that you've tried to plant your tree in have completely dried up. And what I want you to begin to wrestle with this morning is maybe that is God's way 
of leading you back to the stream of life. To plant your tree by streams of water so that it could bear fruit. I think there's a great connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think so often we kind of divide the two. We think the Old Testament is kind of one way and the New Testament is something totally different. But as we read God's word this, this summer and of course into the fall, what we always want you to understand is from Genesis to Revelation, it's one story. And there's great parallels between the Old and the New Testament. And one of my favorites to think about Psalm 1 is John 15. John 15, Jesus invites us to abide in him. And he says, when we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Psalm 1 gives us an image of a tree planted in the stream of water that is the word of God. And when you plant yourself in the word of God, that tree bears fruit. So this summer, as we enter into the Psalms together, what don't you know is we're doing no less than abiding in Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, capital W. We are abiding in Jesus as we enter in the Psalms. And what I want you to begin to do is I want you to meditate on God's Word. So here's what that's gonna look like. I'm gonna pray, and then you're gonna discuss at your table but I don't want it to stop here. That's a great temptation. Again, it takes time. So I want you to find time in the next week before next week to take Psalm 1. Take your Bible or take the handout and just read it line by line. Delight in it. Savor it. Spend enough time that you begin to salivate over it. What that means is as you look at each line, if you go to... Verse one, blessed is the man. Some of you just need to stop right there. <laughs> Don't need to move any longer. And ask, do you right now feel like you are blessed by God? Why? What's your view of God? Do you see him as a despot, as a totalitarian, as a father who hates you? Well, no wonder you don't feel blessed. Or do you see him as a father who wants to lavish you with grace? Grace upon grace upon grace, as John says. But as you continue through the Psalms, maybe then you go, bless the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Maybe you stop there and say, what counsel am I listening to today, this week? Where have I been getting my counsel? Has it been from the word of God or from the wickedness of the world? As you get to verse three, I want you to imagine a tree and begin to ask, what does it look like to plant yourself in God's word. Not just on a Tuesday morning or a Sunday morning, whatever the case may be, but every single day. It is only when our roots grow deep in God's word that whatever storms come, we can have trees that are strong. We can live lives of men that stand up to whatever temptation, not because of us, because of the stream of water that's been given to us in the word, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for you and me. Let me pray for you, send you to your tables. Father, we see that um, so much um, teaching from your son Jesus in very many ways echoes Psalm 1. We see that there are indeed two paths, two directions, two ways that we can go in life. And every single day, we probably walk down both of those paths at some point. And so I pray that you would begin to give us a very real understanding of who you are, but also a very real understanding of who we are in the world that we live in. 
Help us to see that there is one way that leads to wickedness. And help us to really begin to, to ask, where are we allowing that counsel to seep into our souls? And Lord, we pray that we would become men who would be like the tree of someone. That you, Holy Spirit, would plant us firmly by streams of water. That we would bear fruit because we are abiding in you, Jesus And so we pray that you would help us to get away from all the distractions that are around us, the things that vie for our focus and help us to meditate on God's word. That we wouldn't look to lesser things to satisfy our hungry appetites, but that we would salivate over your word and that it would lead to true, lasting happiness. We pray, God, that you would now use each and every table here for those tables who've been together for a very long time and other tables who are just meeting each other for the first time and everything in between, I pray, Lord, that you would help them now in discussion to really unpack your word together and that they would see that, um, that this kind of work together as men truly leads to joy and ask this in Jesus' name, amen.